All right, we are talking about, um, uh, we're, we're transitioning kind of in talking about uh, the work of Christ. We're kind of transitioning to a different topic. We've talked about his death, and we've talked about kind of a couple words that have to do with that. We've talked about redemption and atonement. So we are switching to the topic of the resurrection. Uh, and um, so I'm going to try not to swerve. And Mike is teaching in my place next week, uh, so I'm going to try and make sure I keep it distinct from his text. But I uh, want to look at the primary work of the resurrection or the primary action of it. Uh, so let's turn, if we want to talk about the resurrection, probably the the most complete text about it, not that it is complete, but the most complete text is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We are not going to read the whole thing. Uh, But I want to read a portion of it. We're going to look at a a couple of locations. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, we'll start over on this side. Katie, can you read verse 54 through 57? I, I know you just walked in, so I will let you... Catch your breath here. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so what word jumps out at you from this text? There's a lot of things that... Okay, so that's, 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 that would be swerving into Mike's lane next, next week. That's what he's going to be dealing with. What overall theme... Okay, so we have mortality and immortality. That's one aspect of what Christ does here with his resurrection. And more broadly. Okay. Swallowed up in what? Victory. Victory. And that is the concept. From the concept of victory... Every element. Now, this is dealing primarily with with the immortality mortality issues, but but everything that Christ does, everything that that the resurrection accomplishes, can be summed up in one word: victory. <coughs> so, uh, we're going to pull back from um, uh, from that topic of of the body and eternity and all that. Uh, but I want to back up to uh, verse um, verse 17. Uh, and uh, uh, Becky, do you want to read verse 17 of the same chapter? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Okay, so now we've talked about the atonement and salvation connected with death. Right? But, but that 
that victory still is connected to his resurrection. He says it's futile. If Christ didn't resurrect, he doesn't even have the victory over sin. So it backs up from, like I say, it backs up from, from the eternity aspect of it. Right now, all of the work that Jesus has done really is, at least in part, finalized through his resurrection. So, so it's important for us to understand the, the, the significance that that, that that action has. He did not merely come to die, but he came to be ro- risen again. People say, why did he have to die? Well, because he couldn't rise if he didn't. But that, that's why he died. He needed to rise for ultimate victory. Um, now, we're going to look at the work itself of the work of the resurrection. There are things that we know. There are things that we don't know. And in between there, we want to be very cautious. Right? So uh, we're going to look at some of those and, and uh, eliminate some ideas that can't be true uh, kind of as we, as we go through this. So let's, let's start where we should start. Let's, we want to, if we're going to look at the resurrection, we want to look at right before it, and right after it, and we're just kind of work our way into this period of time, this three-day period of time. Um, so, uh, Kay, do you want to read Luke 23, verse 46? And we're, this is before his death. Luke 23, verse 46. Okay, now uh, I, w- I want to stop here for a second because is there, do you do you find anything of significance in him crying out in a loud voice? Do you think anything significant is? <laughs> okay. Okay, so so. All right, we have we have a we have police officer. What what condition here is is a man being crucified in? You, I'm sure I've seen some crazy stuff. Certain. He's likely in shock. You ever seen somebody in shock? I, I've been in shock once that I know of, and I had a I had a seizure, and I was coming out of the seizure in it was in february in iowa and it was extremely cold i remember the day and i remember the next day and i can tell you i wasn't wearing much it was the middle of the night and they just strapped me in and pulled me out i can barely remember one person because the only reason i recognized him was because i knew him from when i was a kid other than that he was like you don't you don't recognize anything and it's like really scary I can tell you I felt no cold, and it was freezing cold. I know <laughs> the middle of February in Iowa is cold. Didn't feel a thing. So, so he was actually probably at this point. Uh, anybody deal with hospice? What, what happens at the very end? 
What, what is a common story line for someone at the very, 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 very end? Anybody? Well, I'm not talking about, the, I mean, the last part of their consciousness. What are some of the storylines that you will, anybody? Hmm? What's that? Yeah. You ever see somebody that's not like at sort of at kind of peace? They, 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 they kind of break through a wall. Those are common. I'm not saying every time because I haven't, but... Like the number of stories, like the number of story. What's that? Even if they're not Yeah, like like there's a, there's like a weird like transition where they're like, okay, I'm ready now, or, or like like it switches. There's something that switches, and and again, it's not all the time. I'm I'm sure, uh, but Jesus. In this physical state, and if we look at Jesus' physical state, if we took the time to go through everything he's experiencing, <clears throat> massive blood loss. Yeah. That yeah. This would be somebody that's been sick for well. You know, it isn't an instant. Thing. Right. Right. It's over a time. And, right. Yeah. And of suffering. Oh, you mean in the case of like someone on hospice or something? Yeah, uh, th- that might that might have a difference. I I don't know. I'm not medical, whatever. Uh, it just seems like people. Th- these are things that I hear. Like I know uh, uh, Kim would talk about this. I know she worked in hospice. Like I've just heard this over and over. That there's this there's this thing that that people sort of seem to start to. They're, they're ready. Like they they like uh, like. Um, you know, seeing dead relatives, like, oh, she's coming for me. You don't see her, <laughs> like, or here's angels. They're they're waiting for me, and you don't see them. And like, like, it seems to be more peaceful than than not. The terms of the stories that you get, um, but Jesus does not seem to be at peace. It, he like like screaming out. And when you consider what physically is happening to him, he has almost no blood in his body at this point. Which means his heart rate is 400 beats a minute, something like that. Which, uh, so, so there's, a, so there's a, a thing that happens when, when you have the, the faster, it can be as high as 400 is, is the, the medical. I read a Journal of American Medical Association. It's like, it's like 200 to 400 somewhere when you are in an extreme blood loss because your body thinks, it's got less blood. I'm going to have to pump it faster. And it's not making up, you know, the quantity that it needs. Uh, so, so there's that. There's, uh, there's just all sorts of massive amounts of trauma that his body is doing. He's out of breath. Uh, that's another part of crucifixion. He was actually suffocating on the cross. Well, when you're suffocating, you're, you're really not in the position to be screaming. <laughs> you don't. Uh, he's in a position. The Roman crucifixion was it, it put you in a reverse position. In other words, when you when you were at rest physically, your body to be at rest comfortably because of the p- position that it put you in, you actually had to be inhaled, and your your lungs were in the expanded inhaled position. So so to you you needed to exhale. So you had to pull up. And and let your diaphragm 
take the shape of an inhaled position. So, so he's suffocating over a long period of time. He doesn't have lots of breath, and yet somehow something causes him to scream out. That's what we know. There's a lot of things I don't know, but that's what I do know. Let's, let's back up to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, and uh, we're going to get back. Hold your place in Luke 23 because uh, we're going to come back to it in just a second. But I want to look at Revelation 1.18 for just a minute. Because this tells us something about the end of it. Revelation 1.18. And... Uh, do you want to read that revelation? Excuse me. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hate. Okay, so there's something. Uh, now, some translations will say hell. I have the keys of death and hell. That is not an accurate translation. Most will say Hades. Um, and there's a significant difference between the two. Right? Hell is the place of eternal punishment. And um, Hades is what is referred to as the abode of the dead. Right? It's like a temporary holding cell, um, as the Bible describes it. We're going to actually not get too far into that today. We will get into that kind of towards the end of these, this series of, of classes as we talk about all of the afterlife stuff. Um, but that's a, a, quick, a quick summary, very quick summary of that. So, so he comes back with, the, we see the victory, right? We see him with the power over death. Uh, and that's the end of this, uh, this point. So, so let's go back up and look at what happens during these two points. So let's go back to Luke chapter 23 and Paul. Do you want to read verse 43 of Luke 23? Jesus answered him, Okay, so uh, this is interesting because Jesus returns. Now, paradise would be a nice place to go. That's where you would see nice things. And, oh, look, they're coming for me. And this is what Jesus says to him. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Okay, paradise is a peaceful place of the dead. Hades is a little bit more complex, but not so peaceful. Right. Uh, and we look at, and if you want to see that kind of dichotomy, you can look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where they're both dead, and one can see the other, and one is suffering. He's not in hell, right? And, and the other one isn't suffering. That, and that's this, this kind of limbo, waiting for eternity. Now, Jesus says, listen, I have, I'm going to be with you in paradise on one hand, right? Good side. But on the other, he returns with power over death and Hades. So something is happening in between there. And, and I don't think Jesus was afraid of the good side of all of that. So something 
Something has to happen negative to, to pull this out of Jesus. I mean, if you want to go back to the garden and think about Jesus sweating like drops of blood, a medical condition, very extremely rare that only happens under like severe, severe, severe stress. I think we're, we're looking at Jesus' awareness of something significant happen, and this is where God does not give me the details. So, uh, so I'm going to tread lightly. Um, let's look uh, at another scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3. David, if you want to read 1 Peter 3 and verse 18 through 20. First Peter three eighteen through twenty. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous of the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being alive, he went and made proclamation to the prison spirit to those who were disobedient long ago when God was patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Okay. Um, so so he's here connecting baptism to, to, uh, to death and resurrection. Is kind of this this idea of connecting to Christ, like Romans does, but also to Noah, using some of the symbolism. Uh, at some point between these two points, and, and I will give an alternate explanation, and I will explain why I don't like that alternate explanation. At some point, it says he went to not necessarily, the word here is not preach like I'm preaching a sermon. It means to proclaim something. It can be any type of an announcement. Right, just an announcement. I have an announcement. Right, so he says he went to make a proclamation to the souls who are imprisoned, who had formerly been disobedient in the times of Noah. Right. So, so this is that period where he's dead. This is <clears throat> at least one of the things that is happening during his death and resurrection. What's the proclamation? Doesn't say. Again, I, I, I don't have any idea. I've heard theories on it. I don't know. Now, there is, has anyone ever heard an alternate explanation for this passage? Because there's the... What I just told you is not the official Church of Christ position. I will tell you that. I will tell you that if, I, if, if any preachers that I, was, that I studied under in college heard me say this, they'd be like, Andrew, we've got to have a talk. That's not the official, I joke, I, I jest a little bit, but there's an idea that what this means is that Jesus kind of was preaching through Noah, that this refers to Noah's preaching <clears throat> way earlier, uh, and that the spirits in prison were kind of be, they were imprisoned by their sin and Noah was preaching and it was Jesus kind of metaphorically preaching through Noah. 
That's not what this says. It doesn't say that the, the, the reference to former doesn't refer to Jesus preaching. The, the reference to former times or whatever has to do with when they had been disobedient. They are now in prison, it says. They had been disobedient. It's in this time where they're imprisoned that they are being preached to. That, that's the easiest way to read this. That's the clearest way to read this. I don't know what the motivation is. The only motivation that I've ever heard to, to, to alternately interpret this is, I had one preacher tell me, well, that's a Jehovah's Witness teaching. It's like, listen, if Jehovah's Witness randomly wanders across <laughs> the truth, then, then I can't help that. They, they, they put one in their column. They got one right, you know. Uh, I only preach what I preach as I see the scriptures say it. Uh, and it really doesn't bother me who else is saying it. So, uh, again, I don't know the message. Because, because someone says, well, well, Andrew, what would the point be? They're in prison. They're not going to heaven, right? It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judge. He's not preaching a sermon. This isn't a repent sermon. Right? Obvious. That's, that's true. But that's not what this says. This doesn't say he preached to them in that sense. He, he proclaimed something. What's our theme? What's the resurrection do? Victory. Maybe, just maybe, this is just, you know, this is my opinion because I don't have, maybe just went to say, oh, I won, by the way. I'm going to rub your face in it. I'm going to spike the football. I win. Pardoning all these people no. when he destroyed them. Right. God yeah. has the power to do that if yeah. he so chooses. Yeah. But I, I just don't yeah. see it. Well, uh, what I don't well, see, uh, to, 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 agree, to agree with that, to agree with that, um, or maybe to emphasize uh, that, you know, Jesus. It's not. It has nothing to do with whether he could or couldn't. That's like people always dwell on the could he or couldn't he. Why would Jesus do something that he specifically said he doesn't do? That's not. That's not who God is. Right? God is that. That goes back to that immutable quality that I don't change. Like I said this, and this is what it is. So. So. Yeah. Other than inspi- inspiration, I don't know. Like how, there are details in the New Testament. And it's like, how did they know the names of the two guys that Pharaoh, you know, like that were the magicians? Because it's not in the Old Testament. How did they know those two guys' names? Jans and Jambres. Oh, God said, oh, by the way, these are their names. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let me give you... These men are under, in, under the influence of the Holy Spirit to say whatever God wants to say. You know, Jesus said, listen, don't write your own sermons. Right? If I'm inspiring you, don't write your own material. I will give you... Now, I don't have that. God wants me to write my sermons. I don't have that gift. But Peter and James and John and Paul and all those guys, he says, listen, I'm going to give you the words. 
And in those moments that you feel moved to speak, it's going to come out. Just what I want to say. So there's details like that. Uh, and it doesn't tell us, you know, it doesn't tell us what the specific message was. It just tells us there's a message. So it's not important for me to know. He got the keys of death and Hades. Mm -hmm. So maybe when he was going in to get those keys, and my personal belief is he still had to fight to get those keys. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about that um, because that's, that's an important thing. Um, Let's first look at Hebrews 2.14. Bonnie, you want to read Hebrews 2.14? Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared them so that by his death you might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Okay. Now, this is what I... This is the passage that is used for kind of in this when, when people look at this viewpoint that that Satan those who accept that that or excuse me that Jesus goes into Hades or whatever and has this you know this victory they will use this verse to suggest that Jesus is fighting. Say, anybody remember, I don't know if you remember, 1985, Carmen? Remember, anybody remember that? The champion? Oh, Jesus did not have a cosmic boxing match with Satan. That is a figment of Carmen's imagination. Now, I realize the song was a metaphor. But from that, a lot of people actually think that there was a physical altercation between the two. Hell is not where Satan lives. It's not his home. He doesn't like mow the lawn in the morning and then go out and do his stuff and come back. Like, that's not his house. If you want to look at a contest between the two, go up a mountain in Matthew chapter 4. The enemy was death. Much like the cross is not there for covenant. We talked about all the things that are not the object of the cross. Satan is not the object of the cross. Satan is not the object of the resurrection. Sin is the object of the cross. Death is the object. 1 Corinthians 15 goes through and Satan doesn't get a footnote. It is death. You want to see Christ destroyed? Sometimes you can defeat somebody without even interacting with them. Yeah, but wasn't it really God that raised uh, Christ and to be alive again and so that he's the one that conquered Satan by just doing that? Part? Okay, so, so, that is, so that's, that's, one of, that's a really great question. Because there are references to the spirit raising him there are references to god raising him and then the christ says listen i have the power to raise myself it's like it's confusing i i'm 
I'm not smart enough to figure that one out. I'm just going to tell you. I, I don't know. They're all involved. Like, you look at the things they do. They're all kind of always involved in all of it. Like, you look at creation. You see the Spirit. You see the Father. We later find out that, yeah, Christ was doing that too if we read John. Like, they, when, they're, when they're doing salvation stuff, they're all involved. Like, like we see constantly they're always all involved. They're, they're not like... Okay, this is your stuff, and you just go and do your thing, Jesus, and then come back and tell me what happened. They're, they're always in, that's what it means to be one. Like, they're one. One. So, uh, not the same individual or personality or persona or whatever, but they, they are completely involved together. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. We can't, we can't put that anywhere in our brain where it makes sense to us. So, which is good. It's good. Um, because if I could, if, I always say, if, if I could fit God in my brain, he'd be too small to help me. So, um, so, so there's not this, this um, like I would say, physical altercation. In dealing death, the blow, right? Death was the one tool that Satan had. Right? That, that, that's his big thing. It's what he uses as a fear tactic. It, it's, it's what he uses to get back, like, like killing people. Or, like Satan is a murderer from the beginning. Death is the thing that he has. It's his best one. I, I mean... Uh, if you if you take a person's best weapon that they like to go to their go to, you kind of defeat them. You ain't got nothing. Sorry. That was the action of the defeat. Him rising, he didn't even need to interact with Satan to defeat him. What what a what a what a, you know to look at what Jesus does, and look at what Satan has done throughout time. Satan has like lived for like building up to this whole thing. Like everything he does, you look at you can look through the Old Testament, whether it be enslaving the 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 Jews or trying to sell Joseph or like everything he does has been to try to orchestrate some sort of victory against like, like he's always trying to compete. Job and everything. He's always trying to compete with God or probably Jesus if we knew more of the story. And he gets defeated. And, and Jesus never really has to even address. He's like, who are you? You're, we're not peers. Who do you think you are? I'm, I'm, I'm going to defeat you and I'm not even going to address you. <laughs> That's... How dismissive he is of Satan. Now, no one else is that. Like, Michael is like, well, I don't, I didn't even, like, insult the guy. That's the difference between Michael the archangel and Jesus. Jesus like, you're not even worth my time. I've got all these other things that I'm dealing with that are important. I've got people's sins. I've got the issue of death to, to deal with. And, all, and, and handling all of that, I'll clear you up. I wonder if he always had the hold of the keys, the 
Like, like, like. Never did have one. Yeah. Well, everything seems to reference that the power of death is no longer. Yeah, it, it, it's not that it's not that Jesus was um, weaker. It's not that Jesus. It was it, it. It. Some of this is metaphorical in nature. Without the ability to be saved, according to his plan, death is an ultimate enemy for me. And, and Jesus would have to violate his nature to, or violate what he said, like we were talking about. To, to let me into heaven. He would have to violate his own rules. So, so the, the victory is in, in raising from the dead. He can achieve his ends the way he wants to. And the way he predicted throughout the entire Old Testament. That's where the power is. He is, I have the power now. You, you, don't even, you don't even have that to hold over people's heads. If you look in the Old Testament. And even look through the beginning of Christ's ministry. And look at how much... Like the demonic possession and things, we go. I don't recognize this world. This world that's described prior to Jesus' resurrection. I don't recognize this world. It's a different world. Yeah, Jesus' death changed everything. You don't, and you immediately see less of an influence of Satan immediately. Like, as you go through, like, you don't see nearly so many demon-possessed people. You don't see nearly all of those issues. Jesus did, there's something, there is something cosmic that happened there. It is, it's amazing, the transition. So we think we live in a dark world. We, we know nothing of a dark world today. To, to compare it to what people prior to Christ lived under. We can't even imagine it. I don't even. Ugh. I can't even. I can't even put my brain. What it, fear? What constant fear and constant. And it, like you can look at like all of the world religions back then and see what it was like. The the human side, like the things that they resorted to, because out of fear. So, um, so his victory does does that. Uh, and one thing I want to look at one element of his victory. Victory makes you what? What does victory... What position does victory give you? <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. Travis, you want to read that? First Timothy 6, 12 through 15. All right, here's a question for you. What's the good confession? Because Paul doesn't say what it is. He just says who said it. What is the good confession? That God is the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You proclaim who your master is. Okay. 
He says, he says, Pilate said it. Uh, so John chapter 18, verse 33 through 37. Ray, do you want to read that? John 18, 33 through 37. Is that John 18? Uh, 18, 30. 33. 33 begins. Okay. Uh, then Pilate entered the again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning you? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests that delivered you to me, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so then I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Therefore, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Okay, so, so the only reference that Pilate ever makes to Jesus is that he's a king. That's it. And in fact, he confirms this with a sign. Remember the, the great debate about the sign. He writes it in three languages. Here is the king of the Jews. And he said, no, 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 you should say, he said he's the king of the Jews. We don't want to actually acknowledge that. And Pilate said, yeah, it's already written, so it's going to stay. Right? Jesus is king. We, we, we will talk, and I'm not saying this is something bad to say, but when we... we when we baptize people, we'll, you'll often hear people say, well, the good confession. And they'll say, "What? do you accept Jesus as your Savior? That's a good statement to make. It's just not the good confession. The good confession is, listen, do you take Jesus as your king? It's one thing to accept Jesus' power over your sins, but the resurrection is, is to have power, Period. To accept Jesus' authority, his kingship. Uh, and, and so uh, he's, he's getting ready to leave. Jesus is getting ready to leave. Matthew 28, 18 says this. <clears throat> says, all authority is given to me. I'm the king now. That's what happens. That's this great, the great victory is, listen, your victory, you're the king now. Uh, and then Colossians 1.18, I'll just kind of reference it here. Because uh, he, he says, we have been, he's transferred us into the kingdom of his glorious son. Right? It is now Christ's kingdom. Christ died, he rose with power, and now he has that authority. 
The church is his kingdom. It's, it's not a future event. He says he has transferred us into this kingdom. It already existed. John preached this. And Jesus, listen, the kingdom's at hand. It's coming soon. You got, some people aren't even going to die right here before they see it. That's what he said. So, so some of those people saw the church coming. And it's, it's Jesus. He owns it. He governs it as a king. Uh, and that is the primary work of the resurrection, victory. And we're going to look at a couple of more different things uh, that, that connect to this. So. All right, thank you for your participation.